Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Far to 71. Also, go back to the IMF and renegotiate taxes under the IMF agreement. Minority charges government as they demand the scrapping of the emission levy and 21% VAT on all non-insurance products amidst reports of withdrawal of VAT on electricity consumption. And I think that particularly the emissions levy and the VAT on non-insurance ought to be scrapped as well. Plus, organized labor formally writes to the police of his decision to stage a massive demonstration as he insists on their demands. We agree that if after the demonstration we still do not have any favorable response from government, what we intend to do is embark on a nationwide strike action. We'll also focus on Senior Staff Association as they contemplate next move in 24 hours after receiving assurances on their Tier 2 pension payments from government by their contemporaries. Tewu still continues their strike on abated costs and campuses to pile up filth, posing health risk. We still maintain our position that we will force the, the, the investor authority to close down the investors. And we know what we are talking about. The management of the investors also knew what we are talking about. And if you abandon your masks, it's time to grab them as Accra ends an enviable title as one of the cities in the world with the worst air quality. And researchers are warning that this year's summertime is about to get worse. During February, we have all reached the peaks, the peak of the Hamatan. So mostly um, the dust levels, concentration levels are quite high in February. And in business, IMF wants Ghana to stick to program conditions to help bring about the needed transformation of the economy. And in sports, the director general of the Ghana of the Ghana National Sports Authority insists there is nothing wrong with the decision to close sports stadia to football matches in December for concerts. Details of that. Plus, the middle-aged woman at the center of HIV spread among unsuspecting men now has a viral load surge, but she will not disclose her HIV status to the men she has affairs with. I'm scared that if I disclose my status to the men, they will suck or quit the relationship with me. And if that happens, they will spread the news in the neighborhood. We'll hear from the Ghana AIDS Commission on this. Plus your views here on News Night 055 I am MFA Paul. And my name is Evans Mensa. And we'll start off from Kweubipong in the eastern region. And as schools and businesses there remain shut 24 hours after clashes between residents and the police on Sunday. While well, the youth we know ransacked the chief's palace yesterday, demanding an immediate release of a young man accused of the murder of two persons in Kweu Adehuma. Well, the youth vandalized the chief's palace to register their displeasure over his refusal to release the suspects to them uh, because they wanted to lynch them. Now, the situation has led to a clash between the police and the youth, resulting in the reported death of two people and the closure of schools. Now, listen to the Eastern Regional Minister, Seth Champon, who told Joy News that schools have been closed until calm is restored. The town is returned to normalcy. 
uh, was understanding that uh, happened yesterday. The majority of it is for now. So there is calm back in the community. Our only challenge is locals says there is some level of fear because the community is not used to the number of security personnel we have imported in there to help sanitize and bring stability to the people in the environment. We learning from some reports that schools and uh, businesses have closed down. Is that the case? In the circumstance, we found out that there was some element of fear and panic because of how the police vehicle was vandalized and the police personnel who were brought in were also outnumbering. Uh, they're sure fought by the police officers also helped to restore some sanity to them. So as a result of that, the Municipal Security Council took steps and organized a music. The outcome of that music was that some students, as well as teachers, felt threatened. And so the decision was taken by the municipality to close down schools for 48 hours. Um, I've been given the briefing, and the briefing is that they are returning and reopening all schools on Wednesday. By which time, they believe a lot would have gone on. And the peace that we all yearn and pray for would have returned to the community. Well, that's um, the regional minister there, Seti Champong, in that earlier interaction with Joy News. Well, uh, we have a second police statement uh, since this incident occurred. And my colleague, James Aveji, joins me in studio with details of this latest statement from the police. Let's talk about it. What does it say? Yes, I'm a fan. So, uh, yesterday, the first statement indicated that the police had arrested some 25 persons. Uh, just some few minutes ago, the second one came in indicating that they have arrested some 46 more people in uh, connection with the attacks that happened on the chief's policy yesterday. Uh, the police report says that the suspect, together with some others currently on the run, uh, attacked the Bimpong police chief on yesterday and uh, injured seven people, including five police officers. They also vandalized one police vehicle and six police motorbikes, as well as three private vehicles. The suspect, who caused damage to uh, sections of the palace and uh, other adjoining buildings. So they said they are pursuing some more people. Uh, this 71 is not all the numbers. They will be presenting all the 71 to court to face justice on the matter. That's what the police are saying. Okay, thank you very much, uh, James Saveji, uh, with details of that statement from the police that's just coming in. 71 persons arrested so far as a result of that particular incident. We can now speak to the Dr. Kweku Wusu, uh, who is the Kweku South Municipal Health Director, joins us on the line right now. Dr. Wusu, thanks for your time here on Newsnight. Thank you very much, Pamela. Uh, we've seen the impact of this particular uh, conflict on the schools there. How is it affecting health facilities? Hey, thank you very much, my brother. Good evening to your listeners as well. Yes, yeah, so far from the inquiries that have made, our health facilities has been advised to close down for today. So, actually, today they didn't work. All health because facilities? Because of the advice from the security agencies. But so far, none of our staff have been injured. All of them are safe.
So all health facilities in Kwehu South? No, uh, no, no. In, in this particular area affected? In so. this, yes, in this particular area, at Bepong Township. That's why there are two health facilities, one chip compound and one health center. They remain shut down today? Yes, for two days. Will you reopen tomorrow? Hopefully, but you have to also look at the situation and get the proper advice from the security agency. Well, the safety of our staff is of paramount. Yes. So we have to make sure that they are safe to be able to conduct their activities at the atmosphere. With this advice that the security um, agencies gave, what's the nature of the risk that your workers face, you'd say? Well, uh, disturbances come with so many risks. Even stray bullets, stones being started here and there can hit any of our staff. So we have to make sure that they are safe. Mm. You know this area very well. In terms of the, how busy these two health facilities are and the number of people that they cater to, how significant will the impact be on the on the individuals who live in this part of town? Well, it, 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 they, are, they, they are not working for today. But there are other journey health facilities that are working. So if there is simply... Um, disease or illness, they can send it to some of these training facilities. Of course, our biggest facility, that the municipal hospital, is very nearby. It's not far from the home, so they can take advantage of that one thing. I'm wondering, is this the same facility that uh, you've been receiving the injured in this particular clash throughout um, since it broke? Is it the same facility? No, so far from my briefs with the, minister, the medical suit of the government hospital, they received four people as at yesterday, two females and two males. Apparently one was brought in dead from bullet stand shot wound. The other sustained minor injuries and has since been charged. So from uh, your facility and the briefing that you have, you've only attended to one dead person. And how many injured again? Four, you say? Three. There were four. Three. One okay. was dead, brought in dead apparently. The other three sustained minor injuries that he has been discharged as of yesterday. From where you sit, though, as a health director uh, in this area, um, how dire is the entire situation since this clash broke, you'd say? Well, I think we pray that the situation um, is dealt with as soon as possible because if there is any spark or if the um, current situation continues, I think we have some injuries and casualties that may overwhelm our staff, and that will not be uh, good enough. We are grateful. That's uh, Dr. Kweko Wusude, is the Kweko South Municipal Health Director, giving us updates on the impact on health facilities in the area as well. We know that businesses have remained shut and also schools have also uh, been closed as a result of this particular clash and 71 persons have been arrested. Now, the two health facilities mm -hmm. in Kweko Bimpon, as we just had there, are now also being shut down. He's actually been upset mm -hmm. if it will reopen tomorrow. They're waiting advice from the security uh, agencies on 
on this. Thankfully, we can speak to the regional regional uh, chair of the regional security uh, council, who ha also happens to be the regional minister. Said Champon joins us now, Mr. Champon. Thanks for your time here on Newsline. Thank you very much, Evans. How are you? I'm doing great. I trust you. You are too. Uh, let me ask you. So, where are we tonight with the situation in uh, in Kwebepon? Do we, do you have clarity? On the security situation uh, that will pave way, for example, for the health facilities that have been shut down today to reopen tomorrow? In fact, as we speak, the last time I spoke with the regional police commander, we are very hopeful that tomorrow all the health workers will be able to return to work. With the school children, we're bringing them back by Wednesday because some of the managers of the school left out the travel because they are not natives they're not indigenous who come from the communities we advised to close down because of fear of reprisals correct exactly that was the fear as of yesterday but as of today when we have deployed enough personnel law enforcement personnel on ground we are very positive that nothing untoward will emerge again. Only police on the ground or you've called in military support? No, it's only police officers. We don't need a military people. Uh, the How police is capable of handling this matter for us. How many men do you have on the ground now? Um, we asked for support from 18 South and then we asked support from 18 Region. We have close to 1,800 personnel on and I'm wondering, this young man accused of the murder of two persons, the reason why this whole clash um, happened, what's the state? What exactly is happening to him? Um, you know, this is a criminal matter. So investigations have started. So we'll be able to find out more on the fact of that allegation from the police investigation. But as of now, we'll not be able to speak too deep into the matter. But that appreciating is that it is that sparked off. That is what really sparked off the misunderstanding in the community. But you can say for sure that as we speak, the security situation is under control. Very, very important to us. We want business to return to normal. We want community members to go about their works freely, at least. It is their right. And those fundamentals must be restored. And so that is exactly what we are working on. That is the reason why we have deployed more personnel on ground. And at the same time, because when it happens in this patching, some community members who do not understand why this is happening also get panicked. And so we are doing some engagement in the community to explain to community members why we have that level of security presence within their town. But as part of the security measures also, are we considering a curfew or we are not there yet? I don't think we'll get to do a curfew, no. There will be some level of understanding amongst community members to bring the town back to its normal state. So we'll go about business as usual. We are grateful. That's the Eastern Regional Minister, Seth Kwame Echampong. We hit the Labour front now, Evans.
Yes, and if you are in uh, Kwebupon tonight and you want to share with us what you've seen and this has affected you, we want to hear from you. Uh, if you are in a safe place, you can send us pictures. Please do so. Also, you can join us for a conversation on our WhatsApp uh, channel right now, 055 Of course, the Labour front is boiling still, MFA. Mm -hmm. As you know, the minority is uh, adding its voice to the controversy around the 15% VAT on electricity, which the labor unions organized labor under the umbrella of the TUC have already served notice that they will be demonstrating on the 13th. And as you I know, don't today, see your they, red armband. Red, red yes, armband, indeed. Yours? You are not wearing yours too. I'm wearing a uh, watch, red which watch. Is red. Okay, well, I get it. <laughs> well, but uh, as you can imagine, that uh, this is one that has uh, generated a fair bit of controversy. And tonight we're hearing from the minority. They are demanding a scrapping of the emissions levy and the 21% VAT on all non insurance uh, products imposed by the government amidst reports of a withdrawal of this 15% VAT on electricity consumption. Now, organized labor today rolled out the first stage of a series of actions to put pressure on government to withdraw this 15% VAT on residential consumers above the lifeline threshold. Well, we'll get to hear from member of the Finance Committee, John Ginapo, shortly, but organized labor is insisting they will not back down on their demands for the 15% VAT on electricity consumption to be scrapped unless government formally writes to them that it has rescinded that decision. The groups confirm they have officially written to the police on the upcoming demonstration, which was on February 13, against the 15% VAT on electricity. We don't deal with social media or rumors. If government writes officially to us, we will stop the demonstration. But until we receive that, plans are far advanced with our demonstration. And you can see all over Ghana, workers have started wearing their red bands. This indicates that we are ready for the, the demonstration. So we have not received any official communication from any government. We don't need engagement. We want a letter of withdrawal. We want a letter of withdrawal, like the same way the directed. We want a letter of withdrawal that government has withdrawn the 15% VAT on the electricity bill. Then we will be satisfied. Then we will have an emergency meeting to also call on the demonstration. And in short of that, um, we are not prepared to back that. We are not under IMF. Organized labor is organized labor. IMF cannot give us directives that until they approve, they cannot withdraw. If they cannot withdraw, we will continue with our demonstration. Then IMF will come and do the calculation. Because I don't think that IMF should be given that chance to just detect to us like that. And we've been running some checks on the back mm -hmm. of the reports that the cabinet had taken the decision to withdraw this 15%. Um, my understanding uh, from my checks that the president itself, uh, today subsequent to that meeting, had also met with the implementers, in this case the ECG and the government, you know, key government officials on the matter. That The, the resolution is that this is something that it cannot be uh, implemented. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been told that one of the key issues that government is obviously going to raise with the IMF is that since this law was passed in uh, 2013, there hasn't been an ally to flesh it out as to how exactly you implement it and that in, in its absence, it's simply impossible to implement. Remember that this is fundamentally part of the IMF conditionalities that we sign up to. That's why government had to do this. Yeah. Uh, and to, to convince the IMF that you cannot do it, you must have a real solid basis for, the, for this. And understand that that is one of the key issues we'll be raising with the IMF, that there, there simply isn't a clear ally that will guide its implementation. That the way it is currently, you remember what we spoke to the MD on on news ECG. on uh, on PM Express. Mm -hmm. He was it was very clear that it's going to be a nightmare, and that this has been thoroughly discussed. 
it really now is in the ball. In, and that the systems are not in place to start to charging VAT on electricity. True. Mm-hmm. It now appears that the government position is clear on the matter. We cannot implement it because of the absence of the airline. Do sell that position to the IMF, whether or not the IMF buys into that position, is a whole different kettle of fish. Well, but let's um, find out from the Trade Union Congress. For them, they are not dealing with social media. They are not dealing with what they, they've even heard you say right now. They will take an official communication from government on that withdrawal of the VAT. And thankfully, uh, TUC Deputy General, Sec- Secretary General, uh, joins us uh, on the line. Mr. Joe Ransa, we are grateful uh, for your time here on Newsnight. So please tell me, you have been officially informed by the government about this withdrawal of 15% VAT on electricity. Unfortunately, uh, we've just lost um, Joshua and Sadeh, but I know that the discussion will be on PM Express tonight, and he'll be there, hopefully, uh, a close of business today. There must be some communication from government on this decision. He he will be, but also, if you put in a bigger context of what is happening on the labor front, Mm -hmm. the TUC, the bigger union, this is everybody else under it saying they're going to protest. But remember, we already have uh, Teu on strike. You have the senior staff on strike. We are going to come there pretty shortly, and this impact has been felt. What is really happening? on the labor front considering that this is an election year there's a lot really to try and digest mm-hmm. and what would, it, would really be will be the impact on say the our finances and our relationship with the imf under this program if government decides to say not implement uh, this 15 percent on vat we'll be delving into that too if you join us on pm express but what are we likely to pay if indeed um, this vat or 15 percent vat on electricity is implemented let's look at uh, the prices if start for maybe 50 cities if i pay 50 cities if we start the vat what am i going to pay well mfi if you pay 50 cities per month now you'll be paying 60 cities 95 pesos if your bill is 100 cities uh, look at 121 cities 90 pesos if you are paying 200 cities then you should be looking forward to pay 243 cities 80 pesos those in the upper scale 500 cities you now be paying 600 cities 9 pesos and if you're paying 1,000 CDs, your current bill, if it is passed, will be 1,219 CDs. Mm. Okay, so that's what it looks like. Uh, hopefully, we don't get there. But let's find out. Um, thankfully, we have uh, Mr. Joshua uh, back on the line. we we'll also hear from the ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, John Jinapo. Uh, we are grateful for your time, gentlemen, here on Newsnight. So first, uh, Mr. Ansa, have we had any official communication from government about the decision to withdraw the 15% VAT on electricity? Good evening, my sister. It is total no. We have not received any official communication from government. I bet you've tried to reach out following the information that you've heard in the media. Nothing at all? Nothing. I'll just speak to you now, my sister. So the action is on all the way to February 13, you'd say? Yes. It is still on, as you have already said. And you've been engaging uh, with the police this afternoon about, like, informing them about the protest on February 13. How has it been? Fruitful meeting? Yeah, really, we have not started the engagement. We sent the letter of our intention to them as demanded by the Public Order Act. It's, it's, it's an information to them uh, of our intention to embark on nationwide strike on the 13th. And all the regional commanders have also received their letters. But it's surprising that at least you get most of your information from the media. The media is saying there's an intention by cabinet to withdraw. Is that not good enough information for you to at least step down on the series of action you're planning? For now, it is very difficult for us to actually trust that information anymore. 
Because in Ghana, anybody at all can put anything there on the social media. But what surprises us most is that uh, if even cabinet have met and have taken that decision, and there's rumor that is mongering in town, the social media going around, at least government should confirm the 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 the, 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 the statement in the public domain that, hey, we have not said anything, or yes, we have met and we have taken that decision. But nothing of that sort as I speak to you now. So how do you expect us to believe what is there? We cannot go out there and uh, use uh, uh, social media information to convey a meeting and meet our our members to tell them that uh, this is this and that and that. So let's stop our dem- demonstration. We think that we have just asked for a very simple thing that con- government confirm the information that is going around. Just give us a written or official communication that this thing has been done. Then organized labor will have an emergency meeting to also decide the, the, the topic of this uh, intention of a man of nationwide demonstration. This is all what we are expecting from the government. I'm wondering, are you particularly surprised about the silence since your announcement on Friday? Uh, for me, I still don't believe that it is a true statement coming out from cabinet. And if it is true, then you would have expected that someone would have defended it by now. Uh, no, I don't, I don't trust it, that's the well, we'll be waiting uh, to hear from you on PM Express later tonight. Joshua Ansai is the Deputy Secretary General of the Trades Union Congress. And you know we've been trying ourselves to try mm-hmm. and get a, an official confirmation of the somebody on the record telling us what happened. It's been impossible mm-hmm. to get anybody to speak to this particular issue. Uh, let's bring in the ranking on the Mines and Energy Committee. He's also a member on the minority side on the Finance Committee. Uh, joins us right now. Hello, Mr. Janapo. Thanks for your time here on Newsnight. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I know on the Mines Energy Committee and also on the, on the Finance Committee, you get briefed sometimes, but you also have your own way of getting information. Have you learned anything about this 15% and what government plans to do about it? Have you managed to get any clarification on the IMF and this possible talks with the government on either withdrawing or reducing the 15%? Well, my information is that cabinet indeed decided that they should withdraw it. But you and I know that we're under an IMF program, and so we don't have full autonomy. And so even when cabinet and government have taken such a decision, they will need to go to the IMF for approval. That is the issue now. We have an extended credit for a facility agreement with the IMF. There are conditions. One of the conditions is the imposition of that on domestic electricity consumption. Government has signed on to an agreement with the IMF to meet a certain tax to GDP threshold. That ought to be fulfilled. And government is told the IMF that in order to fulfill that threshold, they would have to impose this VAT on electricity consumption. And so now, government has to go back to the IMF and convince the IMF how to meet that target without domestic parts. That is the difficult aspect of it. And that is why you're not getting information. Is it even realistic? I mean, from where you said, you also want this scrap. You, you want this completely removed, including the emissions levy. I'm sorry, there's a truck passing. So yes. can, okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I mean, I'm asking about how realistic this is. You, you, you also, like others, like the labor unions, also want a 15% VAT on electricity consumption scrapped in addition to the emissions levy. Is that even realistic? 
Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. It's the issue of negotiation. And I thought that government would have consulted before even agreeing to impose these levies with the IMF. And government should have tested the pulse of the nation. And knowing the number of taxes they are implementing, they should have anticipated that there will be this resistance. Because I hold the view that the emission levy and the pollution levy are the same. So I do not see why you should charge both levies at the same time. But like I said, it would depend on how government is able to convince the IMF. Because if you tell them you are taking off that levy, the first question that IMF will ask is that, so how do you meet the revenue target? Because you've quantified what you get from the burden on electricity consumption. If you are no more imposing it, where would you take that? And my suspicion is that government will give this with the left arm and take it back with the right arm because they will still need those revenues. You are likely to see a hike in electricity tariffs or some hidden taxes somewhere that will still meet the requirement. But they have signed on to it. It's an agreement. They cannot renege. They must meet that obligation. And that is the hard ball for this government to achieve. Parliament returns tomorrow. Will this be before the House? Well, the minority leader has called an emergency meeting of his team. All ranking members will be meeting him. I'm aware this is part of the discussion, and not just this, but all those taxes. You would recall that we voted against those taxes. We lost. But even as we've lost, we can still use other means to pursue the interests of Ghanaians. The taxes are just too many. We can no longer cope with these taxes, and some of them ought to be dropped. Uh, thank you very much, John Jinapo. There, let's quickly bring in Professor Godfrey Bokwing, economist and professor of finance at the University of Ghana Business School. Prof, through. So, you agree this comes down to what the IMF says. They either agree or disagree. You, you believe this is going to yield any outcome that is positive for organized labor and for government? Well, the IMF is not bigger than the The IMF is not bigger than the organized labor. The IMF is not the ultimate recipient or the incidents of the tax and levies are not in the Ghanaians have the finance. It's as simple as that. So your verdict on this is, as government, from what we understand, attempts to get the IMF to agree with them that this is impossible to implement is what? That they they, they can't have their way? Yeah, normally the IMF does not impose specific or the specifics of what government intends to do to reach a broader framework of fiscal uh, adjustment revenue. That, that depends on the government. The specific strategies that government will use to achieve the outcome, that depends on the government. So if you think that by imposing this uh, tax or this levy, you will be able to reach the goal. If you cannot, you have to demonstrate your alternative either through expenditure, expenditure rationalization or whatever to reach that goal. It's not like the IMF is discussing on that it has to be just this one. It, remember, a Ghana government program supported by the IMF. So if the Ghana government that make the specific provisions of what strategies it intends to undertake to reach the goal. And fiscal adjustment is not only imposition of taxes. It's a combination of taxes and expenditure capitalization. It cannot be just taxes and taxes and taxes. And I think Ghana has to win. And, and Ghanaians should come here. This should not be allowed to spend. Simple.
Thank you very much. And that's Professor Bokwing there. Let's stay with Labour while longer. And in a critical development, senior staff members are set to make a decisive decision on their strike in the next 24 hours following assurances from the government regarding the long-standing issue of their Tier 2 pensions uh, payment. While the striking staff expressed concerns over delayed pension payment with government, which has provided assurances of prompt resolution, we can hear from National President of the Senior Staff Association, Isaac Donko. And Friday, there was some of uh, some news in the air that the proposal has been accepted. So the association is also meeting today and tomorrow to decide the way forward. So by tomorrow evening, you are going to hear from us. So we are also meeting today and tomorrow in uh, Kumasi campus, January, to decide the way forward. So is it going to be a good news? We pray so. But you indicated that government has accepted your proposal. So then it means it's good news. So we are going to hear yeah, from Yeah, should come with what? Evidence. So the moment you get evidence of acceptance then we also do the needful the positiveness will come from government quarters supposed to hear from them officially then we also come out with the official position of the association that's why we are meeting in kenyst today and tomorrow well, so that's um, Isaac Donko there. And uh, we know we've been to the various campuses and filth is piling up um, in on the various campuses, raising health concerns uh, among students there. But we'll bring you more subsequently. But on the issue about taxes, uh, you, you, you recall that there was a number of uh, promises that were made in that regard, at least uh, with the Akufuadu administration. Uh, we have a report here capturing the raft of taxes introduced by Akufuadu administration since it was voted into power. MPP will shift the focus of economic policy away from taxation to production. In 2016, then-NPP candidate Nana Adudankwe Kofado and his vice president Malmo Dubamia pledged a reduction in the tax burden on Ghanaians, a commitment that resonated with many, particularly businesses and investors impacted by the preceding Mahama administration's high tax regime. Dr. Malmo Dubamia emphasized the party's vision to shift the economic focus from taxation to production. Hmm. They are hurting the economy. These taxes are hurting. And therefore, you are not going to get the growth. And when you don't get the growth, you will not get the revenue. And when you don't get the revenue, you go back to increasing taxes to get the revenue. And then hmm. you are in a, a cyclical downward spiral. Hmm. And, and so they have it wrong. And we change that, that particular policy. Following a triumphant victory, expectations soared for the new administration to fulfill its promise of slashing what were considered nuisance taxes. In the early days, Finance Minister Ken Oferiata, during the 2017 budget reading, indeed announced the removal of certain taxes. Abolished the 1% special import debt. Abolished the 17.5% VAT on financial services. Abolished the 17.5% VAT on selected imported medicines that are not produced. Abolished the 17.5% of domestic airline However, sometime into the second tenure of the Kofado administration, fresh taxes were introduced and some increased. 
further complexities arose with imposition of three new taxes on petroleum products. Despite these additions, numerous existing taxes witnessed increments such as 30% hike in energy sector levies ESLA, extending its original five-year duration to an extended 15-year term. Additionally, the special petroleum tax saw an 11% increase rising from 41 pesos to 46 pesos per litre of diesel and petrol. A striking 200% increase in the bust margin from 3% to 9% were among the notable changes outlined. To some, the evolving tax landscape under the NPP government prompts a critical reflection on its fiscal policies and the broader economic implications for Ghanaians. The tax galore then, George, your face joining us with business. A, a, a right time to bring you in, George. This conversation will ramble on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have sources with the IMF. This conversation boils down to whether the IMF will agree with the government to either scrap it or reduce it, it or whatever there is form it is. There's something peculiar about push. this program. Unlike in the past, where it was the fund that proposed to us what to do or not. So, government calls it the PCPEC program. The government presented a pro- some proposals to the fund that this is what we think or they have to do to turn around the economy. So. Within this whole program, it is government that proposed to the fund on what to do or not. I suggest so, that government proposed that they will impose fifteen percent. The IMF was raised questions about our tax GDP ratio being low. How do you want to fix it? Do you cut back on expenditure, or, or you, you raise, more, raise revenue. more revenue to this? So, so but, I, I had a little bit of difficulty when someone says that the fund has to approve this. The fund yeah, is telling that, us that, whatever that the, you have to do at to this improve point, revenue, at this do point, that. It has been proposed. Yeah. It has been accepted. Yeah. It's part of our program. Yeah. If you're going back to say, I can't implement, you have to justify it. What right? is, there should be an alternative What's to the, the alternative? fund that, exactly. yes, so that, that's the point. Whatever so the that IMF you can must do, be convinced yeah. that the alternative will yeah. deliver the same outcome in yeah. terms of revenues generated yeah. before there could be an agreement. But I don't think that the so. specific policies has to be approved by the fund. On the broader angle, you said that this is X, A, B, C, you have to do to improve revenue. So do it. There could be another portion to it. You can also scale back on expenditure or look at other revenue lines that can indeed bring in the required revenue to get there. Mm. So I have a difficulty on these specific revenue really, items if you, if about you needing the fund program. If you speak to government sources, they don't want to do this. Yeah. In fact, today I got the most categorical word yet mm. that it is impossible. But we won't do it. But that's why I say the IMF thing is key. Yeah. If, if it's that simple... Yeah. They would have simply gone ahead to say, yeah, we asked ECG to implement. Could, that could it also be hiding behind the fund program to put in some of these programs? Because everybody at the cabinet level was aware about the program and what was proposed. So mm-hmm. no one can come and tell us that they didn't know, as in the, the PCPEC program, what was in the ABCD of the cost of the economy when it comes to revenue. Very interesting conversation indeed. We are going to uh, get into that on PM Express later tonight with the uh, experts, the labor unions themselves. So really, if you don't want 15%, what's the alternative? Yeah. We'll get into that because yeah. that's what really what it's going to come down to. Mm-hmm. John, what else do you have in the headlines? Well, Ivan, it's coming up in business. IMF wants Ghana to stick to program conditions to help bring about the needed transformation of the economy. We have more details from the fund's uh, press conference in Washington, D.C., USA today. And former Minister of Finance, the tech describes the emission tax as double taxation. We have more details from him. The business news on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to New World of Business. Kingdom Books and Station Syntax Tanks. And of course, 
You're welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, the IMF has indicated that it is very important Ghana sticks to program conditions and plans to help bring about the needed transformation of the economy. This concern is coming on the back of our concerns that the IMF program alone is not enough to turn around the economy. By speaking at the media roundtable in Washington, D.C., USA today, head of the African Department, Bibi Stelassi, says the fund, however, remains committed to assisting Ghana in these times. Official creditors signaling that they uh, will provide debt relief uh, consistent with what uh, Ghana needs. Um, so we just went to the board, uh, I think, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what I can say is that going forward, it will be really, really important that Ghana continues to implement the program that they have developed uh, as envisaged. Um, that is really uh, critical. Uh, these programs are not, uh, you know, are designed to be implemented over three, four years. Um, uh, and it's really important that, you know, you stick the, Ghana sticks the course uh, and sees the program being implemented over the next uh, three years. So we look forward to continuing to support Ghana uh, consistently with the program implementation. Head of the IMF African Department, Abebe Salasi, speaking at a roundtable media engagement in Washington, D.C., in USA today. Now, sales by businesses are yet to pick up strongly despite the economic situation stabilizing and even some significant activities during the Christmas season. That's the view of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry. It was the expectation that all these developments should have impacted on enterprise, especially for those in the fast-moving consumer goods space. But Chief Executive of the Chamber, Mark Pedouabaji, says they are still struggling. Uh, we have not actually filled in the the perceived, perceived I mean, turning the corner, I want to exactly. use my, my, my words carefully, you know. <laughs> exactly. In fact, I mean, it's, it's obvious that a bit of stability, stability. In there, but it's not actually translated mm. into a significant impact on, on businesses. Mm. In fact, one significant thing is that sales of businesses are still very low. Because Interesting. People, yes, we posted. I thought the day. Christmas time, everything was haywire. Not at consumption all. Consumption and you all know, the rest. You know, Didn't this impact on consumption of industries, those in commerce, those in sales and all the rest. It, it, it was quite minimal compared to days where we have very good economy where people's purchasing power was relatively high and everybody can be able to, to, buy, to buy goods and services. In fact, if you look at there, the impression is that things are improving and you expect mm. that businesses will be making profit, but it's not as expected. Mm. Businesses are still struggling. Mark Bedoua Boadje is the chief executive of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Now, former Minister of Finance, Tukpe, has raised concerns about government's emission tax, describing it as an overlapping excise duty on imported vehicles. He warns that this can be described as a double taxation. He's been speaking in an interview with Joy Business. I think it's mistaken to say that we do not have an emission tax in the country, you know, particularly with respect to vehicles, which is embedded in the excise duty. Because remember, if you import a, a vehicle or you buy a vehicle, the cost includes excise, you know, which is graduated based on the age of the vehicle and the capacity of the vehicle. You know. So the more you duplicate, you know, these things with the expectation of raising more revenue, you go into one major risk intersection, which is the higher the tax burden, the higher your tax evasion and avoidance. 
Former Minister of Finance, Dr. Lesto, stay on this development because the Food and Beverage Association wants government to take a second look at this emission tax, especially when it comes to industries. Let's hear from his chairman, Reverend John Awuni. We want this uh, carbon emissions tax removed because we find that it is generally going to hurt the business sector further, exacerbate the concerns and the woes of the business sector. The tax does not stand any chance to change the behavior of industrial polluters. It doesn't stand a chance to uh, uh, raise the required revenue. It does not, it, it, it basically is going to create a lot of corruption in the system. It's going to exacerbate the woes of the industrial sector. And we feel that this is not the time. It cannot, the tax can, can't achieve its desired objectives. Reverend John Awuni is the chairman of the Food and Beverage Association of Ghana talking about this emission tax and its impact also on industries. The Bank of Ghana is optimistic that its new macroeconomic database portal will help deepen transparency and actually help when it comes to the area of its programs and policy measures. The bank today officially launches beta version of the macroeconomic database portal. The Bank of Ghana also believes that it would aid in research by various institutions. Director of Research at the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Philip Abrodotu, talks about how this could also bring about some openness when it comes to its inflation target program as well. We gathered information from a lot of institutions of the fiscal sector, uh, from Ghana Statistical Service, of course, uh, with all the data they have, and we've put all these things together. It's also good for us because uh, in the end, it, it also brings some credibility to the work that we do because then uh, people are able to verify the data against what we do. Uh, the data speaks for itself. Uh, and people can easily uh, try to get into the mindset of the central bank when it comes to policy making because the data is there. Director of Research at the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Philip Abrodudu, talking about the new beta version macroeconomic database portal. And that's all uh, for business on Newsnight. Thank Back you very you. much, George. We well, we have some messages um, that you've sent in via WhatsApp. And we have this one from Baba Chairman in Tamale says, uh, Mr. President, please use this few months left for you to govern to set the party's foot in its right place. There's a lot of dissolution, apprehension, and anger amongst party members, especially polling station executives. That's Baba Chairman's message from Tamale. And this one also from um, Dr. Kufianan uh, from Dakuman. It says, I'm a member of the NPP but the level of corruption that is going on. I believe that the president um, is, okay, is just watching, he says. And then uh, Mustafa Tichiman says the government is simply not sensitive to the plight of Ghanaians. The taxes are just unbearable. And Kwisi says if Ghana doesn't meet the 18% revenue to GDP ratio, what can IMF do? to Ghana and uh, some of your messages this one also says listening to the parliamentary accounts committee hearing if I were the IMF I would leave Ghana to sing surprisingly Ghanaian leaders are good at spending Americans and UK citizens taxes given in terms of grants frivolously Nana from Spintex Road some of your messages let's do sports now Musbao what do we have yeah MFR, there was uh, some interesting fallout from the public accounts committee sitting <laughs> earlier today and uh, the, that's where the minister 
Minister for Youth and Sports, Mustafa Yusuf, said he did not authorize the decision to use some sports stadiums for concerts in December. Now, football teams which use their craft sports stadium were asked to find alternative venues for their games by the National Sports Authority, a decision which was widely criticized. Now, appearing before the Public Account Committee with the Director of the National Sports Authority, the Minister said sports stadiums are to be used mainly for sports and activities. But under rigorous questioning by Ningo Pram Pram MP Sam George, the Director General of the National Sports Authority, Professor Samuel Chumesi, insisted there was nothing wrong with the decision he took, insisting political parties are also allowed to use the stadia for their event. He also explained the revenue from hiring out these stadia for concerts are enough to get the facility back in shape for sports and activities. The calculations that we have done with the various events which have a certain component of it which we call the 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 the, the pitch insurance cover is able to restore it's able to restore i think if you remember uh, before we 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 shifted our sporting activities to other stadia we had made mention of this to all stakeholders that in december a, a particular period will be used for other events which are not sporting and the revenue for it to be able to recover entirely everything. Okay, no sporting activities occurring in our stadia. It's not, it's not new. This is not the first time Professor Chumesi is granting permission for the usage of the facility for other non-sporting. It's done all the time. Even in this independent celebration. We did it in Tamale, we did it in Cape Coast Stadium, we did it in Kumasi, Babaya Sports Stadium, we, 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 we do it. But the, the question is, are you able to recover it and get back the sporting activities? Yes, we do. Well, that's uh, the Director General of the National Sports Authority, Professor Samuel Chumesi. Well, on the Black Stars, however, the National Democratic Congress, John Romani Mahama, uh, the flag bearer of the NDC, John Mahama, has hinted on plans to build the new Black Stars on homegrown footballers. It comes on the back of poor performance of the senior men's national team in recent African Cup of Nations. The former president attributed the performance he describes as abysmal to the absence of cold football, which develops footballers at the early stages. We will build the new Black Stars based on homegrown players, domestic players who have trained together for a long time and work as a team. And then we'll bring the foreign ones to come and blend with them. If you bring only foreign players, they don't play together, they play in their individual teams. And then when it's time for competition, you bring them and come and tell them to play. It won't work. The core of the Black Stars must be made by domestic players who have played together for a long time. We keep camping them and they keep practicing together. And then when we are going for a, a, a competition, we can bring some of the foreign players to join the domestic players. And you see that we'll have a better team. And so we're going to overhaul Ghana football in collaboration with the football, Ghana Football Association. As a former president, John Romani Mahama there. Well, I mean, um, well, well, we'll wait to see. We'll wait to see. It just happens that the only time the Black Stars have been successful, the past, all the four Afghans we won, largely dominated by local players. So, Are we you know, that's... a local coach? I've seen um, that there are no Yeah, uh, Maxo Kunedu has applied. We've it's seen... Um, yeah, Michael Osei has also applied. Likens and also interested. Not sure if the Ghana Football Association will you know lean towards them but um 
we wait to see. We wait to see. That's it for sports. Thank you very much, Ms. Bao. Now, the middle-aged woman at the center of the spread of HIV among unsuspecting men now has her viral load surge due to excessive alcohol intake and irregular adherence to antiretroviral medicine. Her hopes and aspirations were grounded after she lost six of her nuclear family members to HIV AIDS infection. Comfort, as we choose to call her, feels her existence on earth is meaningless and now spreads the virus as any favor she obtains from men is paid packed through unprotected sex. Stanley Niblu has more in the following report. In an isolated rural setting in Akose, in the eastern region, resides Comfort, an HIV patient. She fled her native community to seek refuge in a nearby orphanage because the community and her immediate relations constantly stigmatize her. At the orphanage, she finds solace, but she cannot engage in any income-generating activity because nobody is willing to buy anything she sells due to her HIV status. In 2018, when I first met Comfort, two of her daughters who had also contracted HIV from birth were with her. At the time, her husband and three of her elderly daughters had died from HIV AIDS. The stigma extended to the school where the children were receiving basic education. Because of some sickness is eaten, that's why they don't like me to get closer to them. Feeding was a challenge for the surviving members of the family and their antiretroviral medicines were also not regular, compounding their viral load. After six years, I went back to the orphanage to check up on three surviving family. Unfortunately, the two daughters of Comfort had also died. The founder of the orphanage, Patience Mousy Boss, could not hold back her tears in an attempt to recount how the two teenage girls died. They were all young and the mother said, oh, let's go and visit our grandmother and she took them out to their house. So I just received a call that the children were rushed to the hospital and I got there. The child looked very pale. And according to the child, they did not eat anything. A night before that morning, she fell sick. And she couldn't come back. We just brought their body to come and bury. So sorry, I can see you love the children so much. <laughs> I nursed them when they were two years old. <laughs> Comfort, their mother, is now the only surviving member with positive HIV status and feels that she has nothing to lose anymore in the world. In a bid to satisfy her sexual crave, she engages in unprotected sexual intercourse with strangers who propose love to her without disclosing her HIV status to them. The men that came her way, they are many, uncountable, I can count them, yes. As we are speaking, she's still spreading it. But she can stay with you for a month, off she's gone. Two, three days, she'll get another person. I don't know, she's so lucky in getting men. After the death of her HIV-infected husband, she has had unprotected sex with 10 other men of whom some are married. Comfort explains in the Akan language why she conceals her HIV status from the men who make sexual advances towards her. I'm scared that if I disclose my status to the men, they will suck or quit the relationship with me. And if that happens, they will spread the news in the neighborhood. She confirms that Akuse Government Hospital once threatened to cause her arrest 
if she continues to spread the virus. I was told that once I have the virus and I have sex with men without disclosing my status to them, the hospital has the right to cause my arrest. According to the founder of the orphanage, any favor comfort receives from men, she thanks them with sex, but they could not do much to stop her. She lives with me, but once in a while, if she have the anxiety, she just walk out. And at her age, you can't do anything to stop her if the anxiety is coming or that's rose. So it's my headache because those people don't know. Few get to know late, but the time you know, it's late. It's not even anything we are going to give her. Five cities, maybe Kenke, maybe some watch, and then the person sleep with you for free and get HIV for the rest of your life. A health worker with the Akusi Government Hospital, Naneki Opata, frequently engages comfort about her behavior. So it's a greater challenge to us. We keep on counseling whoever man she meets. She's a human, you know. She has her feelings. We can only advise her to use condoms as they've been advised in the facilities. But then, when the time comes, we are not there with her. HIV cases continue to surge in the country as the Ghana AIDS Commission's records show over 450,000 prevalent cases with 80% of women constituting fresh infections. Comforts is one of the people fueling the surge of the virus. Dr. Stephen Treme Echiahini is the Director General of the Ghana AIDS Commission. We are very particular about the sexual activities among Ghanaians. We are not saying people should not have sex. What we are saying is that we should be responsible with the sex, our sexual activities, because only one person can protect you from getting HIV, and that person is you. With the current statistics on HIV AIDS prevalent cases, deliberate interventions are required by stakeholders to contain the spread. Strategies must be adopted to control people like comfort. If the war on HIV-AIDS is to be won, Stanley Niblewu's report read to you. So the Ghana AIDS Commission is aware of this. Uh, they are tracking the head down. First mm-hmm. of all, they need to give us support, but also there is a criminal angle that they've also raised. So it's far more complex than just um, arresting her. Because part of the reason why this is happening is because she is financial need mm-hmm. and she needs help also. So the HIV AIDS Association is also trying to reach out to, to, to her for help. And so this is something that we are following up very okay. closely about. Well, um, that's how we end um, tonight's edition of News Night. There's more when you look on to myjoyonline.com. That's my opinion. With the nice call is up next. Yes, guess what he's talking about today? Mm-hmm. The gospel according to Bento. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait for that. I am MFR Paul. And my name is Evans Mensah.